Welcome to the Good Athlete Podcast, the voice of the Good Athlete Project. Do you like the Chicago Blackhawks? You know I do. How about Big Ten football? Love it. Why do you ask? Then you're definitely familiar with today's guest, Michelle McMahon. I absolutely am. Michelle is a sportscaster who's reached the national network level and spent the last two years on NBC Sports Chicago as a member of the Chicago Blackhawks broadcast team and with Big Ten Network covering college football, basketball, and volleyball. In fact, she played volleyball in the Big Ten over at University of Michigan. And it was at Michigan she met mental health sports psychology expert Greg Harden. Greg Harden has worked with guys like Tom Brady and Desmond Howard. He plays an integral part in Michelle's story and was key in her development. He also plays a big role in the messaging that she is now delivering. So if sportscasting is her trade, engaging in a thoughtful conversation surrounding self-worth and mental health advocacy, that's her passion. And I don't want to give away too much from today's podcast. We get into it pretty quickly. Today's podcast addresses one of the most important conversations going on in all of sports. And after you listen, I hope you reach out, share your thoughts with us, and make your voice heard as part of the Good Athlete Project family. So when I graduated, I wanted to do sports broadcasting, but I didn't know the best way to do it. And I didn't want to move to the middle of nowhere. I wanted to live in Chicago. Mm -hmm. So I was like, all right, I'm going to bet on myself. If sports broadcasting is meant to be, it'll happen. So I was doing sales and then broadcasting um, as well as a volleyball analyst for Big Ten Network. That was my foot in the door. And then once I started to get more experience on the broadcasting side, I was eventually able to quit my sales job. And then from there, it was like lightning speed. It was like, okay, you're hired in North Carolina. I got my first like big break there. Mm. Then I moved up, up, rooted my life and moved down south. I thought I'd be there for two years. Mm-hmm. Ended up being there for just one, um, which was a good thing career-wise, but maybe mentally, like you move to a brand new place. You sure. don't know anybody. You have no friends. You have no support system immediately close to you. Mm-hmm. So those, those were all really big life changes that I don't think I ever took the time to really work through and process what was happening in my life. While it was wonderful on the career side, I was just like, my I was like my body and everything in my mind were like on the back burner and I was just going. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then from there I moved to, I got promoted to NHL Network, mm-hmm. which is New York City, New Jersey. Um, very high pace, very different, drastic uh, change of pace from where I was in North Carolina, but not, again, another great career move. So. Moved up there, and then after that, I um, finally was able to come back to Chicago in the capacity that I wanted. This is home, and um, Big Ten Network and the Blackhawks came through, and that's what I've been doing ever since. But in between there, it's been change of jobs, change of home, like constantly. Those are like the two things they say cause the most stress, Mm -hmm. and I did that a lot in a short amount of time, and then my health took a hit after that. But yes, that's why... Mm-hmm. What happened? Um, I got it started with just like constantly tired. You're talking about yeah. sleep. Yeah. I had adrenal fatigue. Mm-hmm. I had I had um sudden weight gain for no re. I mean, like I was telling, I was working out like five days a week mm-hmm. and not maybe even sometimes seven days a week, not seeing anything. I'm an active person. I'm a healthy person. Um, I, I, I had to work through the food psychology actually on that journey as well, but Mm -hmm. now I'm like at a good place with it. But so just little random things and then adult acne. Oh my God, I had the worst (laughs) acne and I feel for any of these younger kids that are listening to this, have that. It's like, okay, it's not 
better to go through it when you're younger. Mm-hmm. But when you're in your 20s and you're like, you were told that these issues were going to go away and they yeah. didn't. And it came back with a vengeance after mm. like, it just, yeah, it was crazy. So I was, I had, I had signs of Hashimoto's, just like random autoimmune disease. They were trying, mm-hmm. I was like a guinea pig. They were trying to figure out what's wrong with me. No doctor could figure out, they're like, oh, it's maybe your thyroid, but all my numbers came back normal. Everything was normal in my blood work, but like, yet my physical symptoms were still, I'm like, obviously something's wrong. My skin's mm-hmm. talking to me. Like, acne isn't normal. I think it's a chronic illness that we don't talk about enough, maybe for kids that go through it. We just slap people on medication and send mm-hmm. them on their way. For me, like, I wasn't willing to take any shortcuts. I went off all my medication. I didn't want to be on medication. I wanted, and I'm not to say that people should just go off cold turkey. That's my journey and what. I wanted for myself. I just wanted sure. to get my back to ground zero. Um, but yeah, so those were just some of the things and like so tired every day. Oh my God, I was so tired, like chronic fatigue. So just all these symptoms of like, was it thyroid? And nobody really actually was able to pinpoint what it was. Um, I'm still kind of coming on the other side of it, but mm-hmm. as I've like worked through a lot of mental stuff, my health has gotten significantly better. Mm. Um, and it's starting to definitely take a turn in that way. So yeah, that's kind of been my, my journey. Yeah. Well, I'm really happy we're catching you on the other side of that hill. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Me too. I wouldn't be on this call with you with no makeup and confidently speaking. Cause there you go. It's been a big issue for me. So yeah, that's fair. Well, I, I'm, 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 uh, I'm empowered by the story. I've, I, I mean, I feel really good about it and I hope people have their, um, their ears and eyes open because you are essentially talking about so much of what we talk about, the physical manifestation of, um, all sorts of complicated issues is is a very real thing, and I and I don't want to diagnose in any way. But you mentioned like autoimmune disorders and, and acne and adrenal fatigue. Um, again, that idea the the that we call it the talent delusion or the paradox of high achievement or whatever it might be. We have all these sort of names to classify it. Uh, that that's a really real thing. I don't think people recognize that if you don't take care of your own personal wellness, everything is going to sort of compensate, right? And yes. and I would say, um, you know, I don't know that you mentioned uh, weight gain for so pe- people might be experiencing unexpected weight gain. If you're if you're wildly sleep deprived, um, your body doesn't recognize that you are an ambitious young journalist, your mm-hmm. body's like, okay, something's really wrong here. And it inverts hormones uh, that make you crave different foods, you want to you want it, your body wants to retain. Um, essentially, the priority one is stay alive. Yeah. So all these, the, all this normal functioning goes to the wayside as your body prioritizes, like, you know, keep this thing alive, give us another chance. And um, I wonder, I don't want the uh, the mental part of it to be discounted because the way mm-hmm. that we talk to ourselves, the way that we experience the world, is is like an enormous component of that is like between our ears. And people, yes. and, and any for anyone who might say that that's like soft science or they're not interested in that or whatever. Uh, I think they, they, I think that is more and more coming to the forefront of actual, um, proved out in the research sorts of science because a slow simmering level of stress throws your body off ways that are in, in ways that are measurable at this point that maybe 40 years ago, we, we wouldn't have had a name for, or wouldn't have been, been able to quantify. So Especially for women too, I will say the yeah. hormonal cycle is so much different than men. And a lot of our science and research, as I'm learning about my own health stuff, and as I'm like nerding out on podcasts like crazy because I've just been so curious about what the heck is going on in my body. And yeah. 
our circadian or our, our hormonal cycles are different from a guy's and a lot of these diets and a lot of these different things that will work for men mm-hmm. won't necessarily work for women because we are on completely different hormonal cycles. I think guys are on 24 hours and we're on 28 days. So there's also ways to like maximize your body based on where you're at in that mm-hmm. regard. And to your point about the mental stuff, 1000%, my body was like raising red flags everywhere mm-hmm. because I was heading for ultimate self-destruction. Like I was at rock bottom mentally, very sick, very, very, mm-hmm. very sick mentally. And you wouldn't mm-hmm. be able to see it on the outside because right. I'm a high achieving person. Right. I have a job of my dreams. I am happy for a lot of the time, but in those moments where I have to deal with the reality of everything that's gone on in my life, then you're alone and you're trying to figure out your way. Like that is huge. I think our, we are coming up with the research to back it, what we already intuitively know. Mm-hmm. The mind, body, and spirit are so connected. And if you don't have a solid foundation on either three of those, your body will tell you. And that's where these forms of autoimmune, like I mm-hmm. have this conversation with my mom with my mom all the time. I'm like, why is everyone that I know who are like healthy young individuals, why are we sick? Why are we like dealing with all these random autoimmune disease that we can put a name for and we could slap them on a medication but we don't actually know the root cause? Mm-hmm. Like why don't we get to like what's causing the illness and then go from there? And, and there are some doctors that do that and that's who I'm working with now are these functional medicine doctors that are willing to go through each puzzle piece with you. They mm-hmm. want to know information from like childhood. Right, right. Like a lot of the subconscious patternings can also filter into some of the health stuff you have going on too. It's like it's wild and it maybe it sounds a little woo for people that haven't gone through it, but once you you go through a point where you've hit such a rock bottom, you can't help but like discover these things cuz mm-hmm. you need answers. Cuz you need it. There you go. Sometimes I hate to I you know the rock bottom it it's it hurts me to hear um, we've worked with thousands of kids and we've had some cases of, of uh, people that we really, really care about getting to rock bottom and not being able to find a way out. So mm-hmm. so uh, it, it hurts me to hear that, but sometimes it does, you know, sometimes when, when you, tragically, you have to get to a point like that to really kind of scrape the edges and, and, and look hard for what's actually going on. Otherwise, it's way too easy to just sort of quietly exist in the world. And uh, just in case there's anyone out there who thinks that this is still, we're talking about like you said, woo, like a soft science situation. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I'm, I've been recently reading a, a book by Tina Grotzer, who's actually a former professor of mine. She's pretty brilliant. And she talks about complex causality and like how, how the, the moment in time that we see or experience, like the, the number of factors that feed into that are mm-hmm. nearly countless. Uh, especially when you go back to like, okay, so what's my um, like neural patterns, like uh, whether mental or actual physical patterns, like like connections in your brain. A lot of these were built a long, long time ago. Uh, the the existing yeah. like environment that you live in is so multivariant. There's so many factors that have these relational causal uh, um, relationships. Mm-hmm. And that to demonstrate any one singular thing, and but the way that we're programmed to think is what what's called linear causality. So you're like, well, I don't want to I don't want to talk about mental health. I'll, I'll just talk about the acne part. So mm-hmm. I have acne, and here and there's a pill for it. Great, done, one to one. It's simple. Uh, when really the root cause of the acne is one of those multivariant systems, yes. and should be looked at pretty closely. And one of those solutions is 
hormonal forms of birth control that yes, clear your acne, but then you have a situation like me who I went on it for acne and this is Mm -hmm. maybe a little too personal. I don't know. I'm open to share it, but you go that that was a medication that my doctor offered for me at the time. Oh, you have acne, go on the pill. It, it regulates your hormones, yada yada. And then no it'll just go away in your 20s, they told me. And mm. then to find out when I was 27, I was like, "Wait a second. Mm. What is my body actually going to do when I go off of this stuff? And mm-hmm. like what am I even putting into my body? What is this fake estrogen? Can you imagine as mm. a guy <laughs> pumping your body with estrogen every day? And like or testosterone and seeing like what would happen and yeah. I know it's a small small dose they say but it real that's what really on the physical side I think screwed up mm-hmm. my like my whole system but then to, I was like I was mad because when I went off of it in my 20s I was like it came back in a vengeance it was mm-hmm. like cystic acne that I had never had before in my life and then trying to be on television yeah. with cystic acne blowing up on my face where it's a career that's very much about the subjective how you look, how you sound, and then trying to be confident in my own skin when I when my skin literally was the thing I felt the least confident in. It was mm. that's like that was like the ultimate cause of like when my rock bottom came and my wake up call came. But yeah, to your point, like the it's not linear. If your body is showing a symptom, it's not just that symptom. It could be linked to your liver being clogged mm-hmm. with all the toxins and toxins can come from your thoughts. Like there are so many ways that we could intoxicate our bodies that we don't necessarily think of. And for me, I think it's it's been a really good wake up call. It's it sucked. Like this journey has been like the last couple of years have been like so hard for me, but so rewarding and like now I'm stepping into my truth more and the acne's clearing up mm-hmm. and all these things where I'm like starting to acknowledge the places where I was hanging my self worth on yeah. weren't actually the places at all that my worth should hang on mm-hmm. in the society that we live on or live in and everything slowly like my health is really my body's coming back to my own control which is without any medication without any of that stuff and like it's very interesting how that correlates yeah it is and that's actually that's really encouraging to hear and i'm glad that you saw it i'm i'm i feel like i reference this podcast all the time but uh we got to send you in our follow-up uh a link to a podcast with lisa feldman barrett who's an advisor to the project a wonderful woman and like a genius she's a researcher at northeastern and a lot of her work she wrote a book called how emotions are made and Mm -hmm. she is she's a neuroscientist and a psychologist um and she's like i think she just got a guggenheim fellowship she's the real deal Uh, but she talks a lot about that sort of interplay and what a false uh narrative we've been fed like there's the mind and there's everything else like how artificial is that from like uh, from a physical perspective it's just it's kind of nonsense but and and I think anyone who who hears uh, you you said one comment that's totally true how thoughts um, can essentially add toxins to the liver poisons the liver Um, I think some skeptics would have a hard time uh, hearing that at face value like how's a thought gonna poison me at all Uh, well and I and I just would encourage people yeah. who are skeptical to look at that sort of research because it's and not my argument to that yes. would be how is cortisol formed stress that's, right that's it. it's a stress hormone and how is stress formed your thoughts that keep repeating 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 yeah. and then if you have boosted cortisol that'll screw up all your hormones and everything else so that would be like my example to them of perfect how can you argue that an emotion or a thought or a self-belief system can't dictate the way your health turns out like it's like it's such a like obvious thing to me that i wish yeah 
our medical system would be more on board mm-hmm. or quickly to be on board. Cause I think there are a lot of really good doctors out there that do see it that way. That's and this true. is not That's me yeah. discrediting the crazy amount of schools that they go to or hours of school sure. that they go to, to do their job. There's a reason they're in that profession and most of them want to help people. Mm-hmm. And I think the best way to do that is to do exactly what you're talking about to support on every leg of the equation. That's right. Well, that's right. And I think uh, just to refer back to Tina, I think she, I, I could be getting this wrong. So I apologize. I think that's something more closer to domino causality. So mm-hmm. like uh, like the thought would trigger a, um, yeah. a response, which would trigger a hormone, which would trigger like the counter reg- balance or regulation and the byproducts have to be filtered through the body. So so that but so I hope, again, anyone who's even mildly skeptical, go ahead and look into that stuff because it's not the thought it's the it's the cycle or, or, or the the cascade of biological processes that are occurring in relation mm-hmm. to that thought it's a very very real thing yeah I was skeptical so. until it happened to me until I had to come to terms with with what that actually meant for me you know what I yeah. mean you don't yeah. really understand it until you go through it and you're like oh you always hear it and you're like yeah that sounds like a good concept they're like yeah that sounds like right yeah. and then you're like oh my god oh yeah you <laughs> right. evaluate everything that happened I'm like Oh my God, of course it makes sense why I got this sick or why I had to go down this path of like, slow down, you need to sleep for an entire mm-hmm. summer because you've been on the move right. and your skin, like, like, I think it's like a fear of being seen as, as you are huh. in a way too. Like there's different, I think for me in my journey of things that I've learned and un- yeah. uncovered yeah. with, um, doctors, ther- therapists, everybody, energy healers. I mean, mm-hmm. I've, mm-hmm. I've literally done the gamut. Yeah. I love it. And, and why not try? I think that's probably yeah. the athlete in you a little bit. So with, with that in mind, it also occurs to me that, that the, this aligned pretty closely chronologically with um, you leaving athletics. So mm-hmm. what was the transition from being like 5 a.m. lift, run, et cetera, college athlete um, to, I don't want to say regular because your journey has, is, is a unique one. I don't think everyone moves five yeah. times in five years. What was that transition like? Yeah, I would say it was, it prepared me in a lot of ways to deal with the challenges that my adult life was going to bring for me. But I also, in some ways, had to relearn some of the lessons that I learned in college. Because I worked with a sports psychologist for four years while I was at Michigan, and I'm like mm-hmm. very open about that. His name is Greg Harden. If anyone is interested in knowing who he is, he's literally incredible. He's worked with Desmond Howard. He's worked with Tom Brady, mm-hmm. um, like the big quote unquote names from Michigan. But that was a big part of my journey of everything that I learned with him. Like I would say like my, I I struggled with, with mental health in college all four years. I think it's because athletics at that level draws a very specific individual. You're mm-hmm. a perfectionist. You are, mm-hmm. a lot of your worth hangs up on how you, how you do in your sport. So if I sucked at practice for a day, I thought I was a bad person and I, the rest of my day was was ruined. So I think a lot of the lessons that I learned in college were to be well-rounded and where and to be to find other things that um, that light me up in a sense and that make bring happiness to my life other than my sport. Yes, it's a huge part of my life, but like to become more well-rounded, I think was a big key and that helped my transition. But it's also where the same areas I got in trouble in college with mental health was the Mm -hmm. same stuff that I had to overcome in adult life. It's like the same cycle. So if you don't learn the lessons the first time they come around, I believe that life will throw you the same curveballs until you learn and break that pattern. 
Um, so it helped that transition in the way where I could be like, oh, these feelings, this anxiety that I'm feeling right now is the same anxiety that I would feel when I there was a certain drill on the board and I was like scared to death that my coaches were going to berate me in front of the entire team, which happened mm-hmm. quite a bit when I was there. So like those little moments where it's like tying the parallels together and understanding where the mental demons are coming from, but then also... I'll say too on the on the positive side of things like the work ethic, the preparation, like everything you need to know in adult life. I learned through college athletics, and you you mentioned the relentless pursuit in my health. Now, like mm-hmm. I'm not giving up until somebody gives me a freaking answer on right. why I'm right. still dealing with this, or like you know why why my skin's acting the way that it. Like I will go to all ends to make sure I find the answer. So I think that mm-hmm. determination and that um, work ethic never leaves you. And then of course, like I, I just think that that experience was probably one of the hardest things that I've ever had to overcome because it wasn't easy for me. I was a walk on, Mm -hmm. I was a mental wreck. Like I, you know, I had some situations that I would reflect back on that. Like there were some very, won't go too deep into it now, but eventually maybe will, but just things that happened that were traumatizing for me. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. having to overcome that and work through that in my adult life has been very interesting. Yeah. That well what you're saying is so interesting because it reminds me of a of a line that we use all the time and that line is um we we kind of push back on the old clichés like sports don't teach life lessons. Sports have the potential to teach life lessons. Like as yeah. we mentioned before we got on the podcast um all of the research has really, from from our end, has gone into the recognition that sports are have the rather have the potential to be the most powerful learning environment that exists. From again, from the neurocognitive, from the social perspective, all of these different emotional, uh, it, it is it's an incredibly powerful learning environment. But if you don't use it like that, then it then you don't learn the life lessons that we all suppose are happening alongside sports. So if you say that you got things like work ethic and um, you had an outlet for your competition and maybe hopefully built healthy relationships to it, these are all positives. But mm-hmm. alongside that should come the language and the framing um, necessary to sort of balance one's life out. Because the mm-hmm. only the only truth of any athletic career is that eventually it's going to end. There's there's yeah. no other absolute case by case, person by person, sport by sport. There's no other universal truth like that. So eventually mm-hmm. this is going to come to an end. Uh, and I think if we as coaches and athletic departments and administrations don't recognize that and support our people through it and set them up for the uh, post post collegiate path then I think then we've missed the boat a little bit. In fact, I, I kind of re- resent the idea after after having seen literally thousands of athletes in a, in a large number of um, areas. I resent the idea that, uh, you know, whenever I hear things like, oh, your son should play football. It, you, it, it's so good for it. It makes you tough. It, it teaches you life lessons. Um, I, it, it, it does bother me because we've seen instances where it, it the sorts of lessons it teaches um, – are not what one would suspect. It's not like 1950s Leave It to Beaver sort of um, stuff. It is you could absolutely, and I don't want to go do, too deep down a rabbit hole here, but like when you talk about, you know, some people have heard the term toxic masculinity, and for people who have had good sports experiences, they they're like, nah, I didn't. That's not right. Well, it may not be right for you, but it is happening. We've yeah. seen it in locker rooms and places. There's no doubt. It- 
So, one thousand percent. And and that's an issue. But but the other side of that, it's like it's not just going to be the the guy who has probably. It's not just going to be the guy who's naturally aggressive, who turns you know who experiences a, an overly aggressive culture, and and that kind of manifests in who knows what sorts of behaviors that are absolutely toxic. It happens across the spectrum, and in cases like yours, it's like if you have incredible motivation and you have this desire to compete and perform and or whatever it is that drew you to volleyball, maybe it's just fun, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if we're not if we're not supporting this properly through language and through sports psychology, like the person, what was the guy's name that you mentioned? Greg Harden. Yeah. If, if you don't have those sorts of uh, support structures out there, I think we're missing the boat. I love everything that you just said. And I agree 1000% with the toxic masculinity. And I think when people hear the word masculine, they often associate it with men only. And I, hmm. I like to think of it as a, as an energetic. So hmm. I think there's masculine and feminine energies. And from a woman's perspective, my masculine was out of balance. Like I had a lot of masculine because that's the way that you came up through sports and like, mm-hmm. and it's not a bad thing. There's, I think it's all about balance. How totally. do you balance the two between, like you said, you're, that aggressive guy that's good at his sport because he's aggressive and he gets out there and he mm-hmm. does his thing. But then how do you take that same individual and make sure that they're still well balanced in the rest of their lives so they're not taking out their aggression yeah. on all facets? Yeah. Um, and for me personally learning like competition is everything. And like when you get through that phase of your athletic career and you're constantly competing with people and you're measuring up and, 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 and I think that's a recipe for disaster actually, especially in the, the, the world that I'm in as a sports broadcaster, because if I'm comparing myself to the tiny size, zero blonde, beautiful bombshell on the sideline Mm -hmm. and I don't look like that and I don't sound like that and I, and, and I don't measure up to that and I never will because my body is just my body and it it's not right. to look like that. Then you're setting yourself up for success. So mm. I think there's a lot of areas to dive into that piece. And I think yeah. the only way yeah. for everyone to succeed is to really come into balance with both of those energies. Um, and it's not like a, a tear down on all guys are bad right. and all this, you know, but it's certainly something that I had to work through of like really harnessing some of my feminine energy because even in my work today, like I have to bulldoze into locker rooms and mm-hmm. like make sure I'm in the friend zone and nothing else with these guys. You know what I mean? Sure. Like there's a lot of things that I've had to work through on my end there. And then I would also say the second piece that you brought up with setting these athletes up for success outside of their sports. The one law is that this is eventually going to end. Mm-hmm. So what Greg Harden really did a wonderful job of teaching me and I would encourage everybody that's an athlete or wants to be an athlete to think about and consider who are you without your sport? Mm-hmm. Like who is the person behind all of that, all of the sports that you're, and that's not the right way to, who is the person behind the mask or the the athlete? You know what yeah. I mean? You don't have a strong answer to that. That's where the work needs to happen because it's really easy to bury that question by achieving and getting all this love and attention and all this notoriety from being so good at your sport. And then, and then, you, there comes a day where you have to deal with that, where that right. goes away, and then who are you, and then what do you have to fall back on? So that's the foundation that I think across the board in life, no matter what you're doing, whether you're an athlete or just a young professional, like I think that degree of separation from what you do mm-hmm. shouldn't define who you are. Yep. And that's the work. That's the that's journey. The it's that's ever right. evolving. You know what I mean? Like it's I'm still working on that because 
that's where my mental health takes a plummet, plummeting hit when I too closely identify myself mm-hmm. as what I do right. and not the the gifts that I that I have of who I am. No doubt, and and that's uh, you're so right. The I I literally just got a text from a friend of ours. We had him on the podcast, Charlie Tilson. Is that name sound familiar? He's an outfielder for the White Sox. Okay. But even in the saying of that, that takes me directly to what I'm talking about and what you're talking about is he just happens to be an outfielder for the White Sox right now. But mm-hmm. I knew him when he was a like a kid. You know what I mean? So I like like Charlie is Charlie. And on the podcast, I'm, I'm not spilling anything that we haven't talked about in public. So yeah. uh, on the podcast that we had with Charlie, it was like, you know, he I, I think he talked about um, at certain times he was coming up. He got drafted out of high school, had to come up through the minor leagues and and people would ask him about, you know, how the how baseball was going. And he, he would often he said he would often feel like sort of like he was letting people down if he couldn't say, like, I just made an all star team or I just did this, that or whatever. So um, but but it's we talked through the idea that, like, probably people are just asking him because they like him and they know that that's what he does. And maybe we're, you know, the people around you just aren't equipped with the language to say, like, how is Charlie is the human doing? It's more like, hey, how did the game go yes. the other night? Yeah. Um, and then your friends, like who who wants to be friends with him because he's on the white side. You know what I mean? That's right. Can you trust? And all the that's I feel for these athletes that yeah. have to be really cautious with who they let into their inner circles. That's right. Yeah. So it's, it, it's a real challenge. And and um, and I and I'm really confident because he's got an incredible family and, a, and a, an incredible friend base, and he's going to be okay. But um, but I don't think that's like always the norm. I think it, I think the you know you find if you can't associate yourself from your athletic prowess, then you've got Friday Night Lights over and over again. You know, it's uh, you you've got your you're wearing your your one your state championship ring um, and yeah. and bragging about um, the good old days, right? And, and then it's like circling back at every conversation that you can. Like, but back it. in the day, I that's I, right. I won a championship. But if you can't back that as being like a if you don't know who you are yeah. outside of that, then you're in trouble. Yeah. Like that's, and you can have a good support system. Like I have a wonderful family and sure. great friends and I still, mm-hmm. because there's a degree of loneliness and when you're going through these things and you almost feel guilty when you're at the level of success that you've always strived to be at, mm-hmm. then you mm-hmm. almost feel guilty. Like you're complaining and then you can't openly talk about what you're actually going through sure. and people sure. see on the outside, like, Oh, you're doing so good. Like you're, I saw you on this show and you're doing great. And for him, I saw you on in a game and oh my God, you made it. And people yeah. think you've made it because we, we li- we've grown up in a society that tells you you've only made it until you have X, Y, Z external things when it, it's all backwards. Like mm-hmm. until you are internally at peace with yourself and really yes. comfortable yeah. with the truth of who you are, then you have none of it. Like none, none of it matters. Like none of it matters. Cause like honestly, when I was at a point last year and like this is where I like I would like to move forward in my career is like inspiring people and you know speaking more from a place of like I've made it to this point where I found where I thought I would be externally successful and Mm -hmm. I literally would have given it all up just to be happy on the inside (laughs) I was miserable I was miserable I mean like like I'm when I say I was miserable like it was a very concerning point in my life like very very my mom was like people were worried that I would even like still be here like that bad it was bad so like that's how important I'm so passionate about that inner journey of like figuring and it's an inside job like you can have the best friends in the world but 
you have to be committed to like facing the areas that are really uncomfortable about yourself and getting to the deep stuff that you really don't want to go, but you think you might have to, to really get to those answers. Yeah. I'm so glad that you shared that because that's, we, we talk about that all the time. Like what else are we aiming for? other than happiness and it sounds it sounds like I feel bad I mean my sister for example is one of the most loving incredible human beings I know and and it's and I just picturing like her childhood wall with like a flowery poster of like we're over we're all our our only goal is happiness or something like that I don't want to I don't want to like just pass it off as that because it is so it's just such a stare us in the face truth like why do you want this sort of income or this sort of career so to feel good like to feel happy, like to, you know, th- that is, it's the ultimate outcome. And we've just been sort of indoctrinated so early on uh, to believe it. Like, well, these are the things that take you to that place. Mm-hmm. And that's how this whole system works. Um, when really, like you say, it, it, it's not there. It, it starts yeah. inside and it has to. And if you build a career working on that first, that's sort of, I mentioned the higher performance framework and the physiological bedrock. If you get a sort of centered bedrock of yourself first, mental and otherwise, then what you build from there could be amazing. And I think people too often start uh, or aim at sort of the pinnacle. Mm -hmm. And I think it's definitely okay to want those things. Like it's okay to want that job and it's okay to want that income, but knowing your why to your point, like as long as it's coming from a place of alignment and of self-worth and not because Oh, because once I get there, then I'll have all these things and then I'll have all these friends and I'll have all the, and then that's where you, because it'll never be enough. Those are the people that have all the money and that have all the cars that have the job, have the house and they're miserable. Like there are so many people with money that are so miserable because they haven't done that (laughs) inner journey because they've been filling their life with things instead of facing the actual part of them that will bring them the most fulfillment and satisfaction. And it's like, once you do that and you're on the path to that kind of enlightenment, then you can have more of an impact and then you yep. have a job that's bringing you abundance and that's actually impacting people in a positive way, which is exactly what you guys are doing. There's no doubt. You just What you just said, there's a quote by David Foster Wallace, if you worship money and things, if they are where you tap real meaning in life, then you will never have enough. Never feel as though you have enough. It's the truth. The trick is keeping the truth up front in daily consciousness. That's from a, um, can we make a note? We got to send her this is water. Mm-hmm. I'm going to send you a book too. Oh, um, yay. So, I, I mean, you're so, so this is, uh, there's so many ways to go with this. One is I, I do have to recognize because of the, the nature of the podcast and, and the people who are listening to it and because it's the real truth is like, I also, like, I, I'm comfortable with the idea that I'm competitive. And, and and all these things like you said the, the when you were talking about balance that really does seem to be the key word like mm-hmm. I when I if I were to play a sport today I would want to win that competition now, absolutely I, and, and I think you're probably the same way yeah uh, but in the, in the trick so it's not to not do that like I, I'm I'm a I'm ridiculous like I still do powerlifting meets once a year I just like I just like get back into it if I play half court basketball with the staff or with some of the kids like the intention is to win period yes. but the, the recognition and like I think I've had to do work post post career also uh, mm-hmm. the recognition is that if I don't uh, like it's gonna be okay Mm-hmm. And 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 don't waste your worth on that win or loss. Of that's like, exactly right. Take it and say, how do I get better from this? What is this here? What is this challenge here to teach me? And then no go from there. 
if you use exactly right and that this this is all kind of feeding this idea because if you use sports um as as sort of the feedback mechanism for certain things like why did i lose was i not is my cardio not good enough? You know what I mean? Um, did I make some bad life decisions on Saturday night? Uh, you know, what I mean? like w- what are the reasons? Then, then you'll get real world, real time feedback from sport, and that's good. Or honest, or did I not share the ball enough? Did I not? You know, I wasn't. I opening up the court. Was I being selfish? Was I, whatever? Th- that's real if you frame it in that way. Yes. Um, and I and I feel very lucky to have sort of developed but had to work on which I like have developed that capacity over time I'm not sure and, and again message to coaches that is not happening automatically no it, and it, the communication styles I think need to be evaluated of like every kid is different mm-hmm. and that and I think one of the things I hear often in sports too that really pisses me off to be honest is when they just say, oh, the athletes, they're soft. Yeah. And like, or like if a kid wants to transfer because that people always blame it on like, oh, they're just not getting playing time. But like what we're not talking about is some of the abusive cultures that do exist in a lot of these heavy hitting programs. Yeah. And, and abuse can come in all forms, by the way. It doesn't have to be just a physical abuse. It can be emotional mm-hmm. and mental, whatever way you want to call it. Like that communication style matters how these coaches are communicating to their athletes matters because yep. those are the yep. messages that also implant those belief systems that the doctor you were just talking to, mm-hmm. I'm sure mm-hmm. I talked about, like where those emotional patterns come in because the way your coach talks to you, they're a person, a voice of authority. Yep. So you could have 15 different athletes on your roster or for, God, for football, you can have 100. Yep. You could yep. say one thing to one kid in the exact same way you'll say it to another kid. Yeah. One kid could take that just fine. The other one could interpret that as traumatic. Mm-hmm. Like there's so many, there's no telling how our brains are wired and how they're interpreting all these different methods of yeah. communication. So I think it's a, it's a time in our society that while yes, everything's being exposed and coming to the forefront, I think it's an important thing because I think for a long time, a lot of toxic cultures have been able to persevere because yeah. winning is the ultimate important thing. And for me, that's not what ultimately is the end all be all. Yeah. If I'm an elite program and I'll, I think of one that I, Nebraska volleyball, for example, mm-hmm. I love their approach. Now I haven't been in the program. I can't speak to like if it's different or not from my perception of it. They sure. talk about sure. mind, body, spirit. They're competing for a national championship year mm-hmm. in and year out. And their communication is consistent with each athlete. Yep. Like yep. that's, something that you should strive for and how you communicate to these kids because you're you are impacting their life like there were things that like I held on to from my college experience in a toxic way that certainly fueled into the mental issues that I had so like that's something to be acknowledged of like you have to be aware of how you're coming across they're not just little pawns Mm -hmm. puzzle trying to you know make you successful by winning it's like right. how can right. you collaborate with that with that communication style that's something also that i am super super passionate about because i see it all too often go under the radar and these kids don't have a voice yeah. especially at the college level i there's yeah. multiple programs that i know of that this is happening abusive culture and mm-hmm. and coaches mm-hmm. aren't being held accountable for it right it's, it's hard to watch because it's like the kid takes the fall for yeah. being soft. for being soft i know yeah, it, it, it's uh, the name Pat Ivy. Pro- I don't know if that means anything to you, but we just had him on, and, and you talk about a differentiated approach. He was talking about how like he was a big, strong athlete 
from a complicated inner city, probably under-supported culture, mm. who, went out, who went out to play at Mizzou. And all of a sudden he goes from that atmosphere to Columbia, Missouri, which is um, suburban and, and nice. And he was like, he, ha- he said he had to go through and um, he had to acclimate to that first. Like he, he mentioned on the podcast, yeah. he was like, when I went to the bank and they didn't have plate glass up in front of the tellers, I was like freaked out. Like it didn't know what to do. Wow. You know? And and meaning like so you yeah. like to neglect the idea that this person is navigating this this space, um, and then like you jump down their throat or whatever at practice. And and again, I'm not saying that there is not a place to be intense within coaching. I guess through all of this, intentionality is the kind of the key word. That's a big part of what. What we're about. Yeah. We're not saying don't be intense. We're not saying don't hold your players right. accountable. Don't try to, um, you know, in in theory, a player could be soft. So do you have to get them to a more resilient <laughs> place and fair, stuff like fair. that? Fair, fair. But if you're if you're making broad scale assumptions and not looking and talking to the human, then right. I think that's where the model fails. Yeah, I absolutely yeah. agree with you. I would just say, yeah, like check in. You know, every just once in a while, like yeah. with your athletes, of like, hey. I'm saying this to you and practice in this way. Mm-hmm. How are you doing with that? And like, by the way, my intention with that is for you to be the best possible athlete. I want the best for you. Yep. So I'm going to be hard on you in this way. And if, mm-hmm. if I'm ever coming across in a way that's you're internalizing as um, something that you're uncomfortable with, then let's talk about it. Like, so we can be on the same page with how you're communicating one another. And just because you're having that conversation doesn't give your authority away, in my opinion. Like, I think it opens up the channel of communication to be honest, open and honest and to get the best out of that person because they now know that you care about them. Right. You know what I mean? Like you can be as hard, you can be as hard as you want on somebody as long as they know that you care about them and in the way that like obviously within the boundaries that are appropriate. Sure. Then absolutely. But that communication piece is key. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. And, and it, it honestly, it will all always come back to communication. Um, because there's no universal right, there's no scalable cure-all. Um, it takes a little work. It takes intentionality. You have to communicate to figure out context uh, to identify with people, and that's just the truth. And I would even say that at this point, I've been kind of hedging all podcasts. Uh, at, at this point, I would say any coaches listening who aren't willing to do that work, you're in the wrong profession. Yes, because uh, you're, you're molding the future of our generation that's it generations to come you are i'm looking um on the wall right now i just got to do like a, a brag on coach nadalna and some of the kids that we've worked with we were lucky to be part of um we started a powerlifting team a while back um because you know again we work in strength and conditioning and performance and we were like could we have a direct measure of some of this work that we're doing you know we, we believe that we're making people better at soccer and volleyball and, and things like this but what's the direct measure so we started a powerlifting team it was really really fun we are about the we're about the right things i don't know how else to say it i i really i fully fully believe it we won uh, a national tournament uh, the nasa powerlifting wow. national championship guys and girls that's amazing yeah. it was amazing well thank you that that wasn't the end of the the, yeah, <laughs> the but the it was but it was like <laughs> but we that's know funny. uh I appreciate you saying that, but I but the recognition is so freaking clear. Every member of the roster, every member of the coaching staff is like, if we couldn't do this the right way, uh, it, w- it would mean nothing. So um, 
to hear the stories of empowerment, especially through, from the young women who went through the program is, yeah. is amazing. And I, I swear that this is in no cliche way. Like, wouldn't you, Alex, like just throw the trophy back? Like this is completely insignificant. If it was ever, if there was ever this sort of compromise, like do we want to like uh, build up good humans? Do we want to support people in these ways um, and compete and win? like and have the balance to do both like i think the answer would be yes if you ever had to kind of uh negotiate that in, in the wrong way i mean no I, yeah there's no never, way you'd accept it you'd right? never make that trade-off no i mean the, the the trophy uh is, is the success and the trophies are fleeting um mm -hmm. yes you'll remember that for the rest of your life i hope but what you'll remember more and we've heard this from other guests on the podcast is like the relationships that you build those mm -hmm. are the things that stick with you the experiences um so you know the the hardware is just that it's hardware but the the emotions and the memories and all that those are the things that stick and last and and for the and like it when you wear your ring down the road if it doesn't kindle memories of like all the good stuff and everything that you learn from it you know if it if it's instead like tainted by toxic culture or, or whatever terrible terribleness abstract terribleness then then what what really does it mean so um yeah. now i would say this though and this is this is the transition into like where you are now it's like that currency just doesn't hold what we're talking about right now doesn't always hold it like yeah. you can't say that in the blackhawks locker room unfortunately yeah. you've got to have your eyes <laughs> in the stanley cup yeah yeah i definitely can't say that <laughs> yeah that's true and that's i think where where the balance comes into play if i'm a coach managing that you know obviously like from a front office perspective like yes like the hardware i mean that is it's a it's a it's how you keep your job business right it's a winning yeah, business yeah. but how do you get to those wins you know what i mean like say yeah. you don't have the same talent that you did when you were winning three cups in five years and whether this is the blackhawks or somebody else how do you get the most engagement from every single player in the locker room, perfect example, we'll stay in the NHL, being the Carolina Hurricanes, who maybe didn't have the most talented roster this season. Right. They were very young. Nobody picked them to be in the Stanley Cup playoffs, let alone in the Eastern Conference Finals. How do you get those guys to buy in? And the mm. difference there is Rob Brennamore, their coach, who I who I worked with when I was down there. I love him. He's awesome. He gets it. Like He's one of those he's a player's coach but he's the he's that guy that has yeah, that perfect yeah. balance he competes harder than anybody you see him in the gym longer than anybody yeah, but he yeah. knows how to capture that buy-in because the guys trust him mm. and the relationships when you look at like when you really break it down to like what all this comes down to it's like relationship building and how can you build the quickest relationships with your personnel within the locker room all that stuff and all comes down to trust mm -hmm. if the guys don't trust you if the girls don't trust you because you don't find a way to communicate with them but and this is not all on the coaches as well by the way like every yeah. individual is responsible it's for a relationship doing right or as well so it's a you have to just take care of your side of the street it's mm -hmm. two-way mm -hmm. street so i think the fundamental piece there is is coming it comes down to trust and when the guys trust you and when they want to battle for you then they're going to put their hearts on the line and shock people in a season that they weren't even supposed to have right so like when when there's like a little bit of gray area there like I think that's a perfect example of somebody that was in route to winning the Stanley Cup, still finding ways to win with maybe a lesser roster than comparatively to everyone else that was left in the playoffs. And that's the difference. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like that can be a difference between 
winning a Stanley Cup and not. And and those guys from the 2006 Stanley Cup winning team from Carolina mm-hmm. will tell you the same exact thing. They didn't yeah. have the most yeah. talented team, but they had the best relationships because every person in the locker room trusted each other. They had great communication, and it was from top to bottom a yep. good experience because of that. You now have the Stanley Cup and those relationships right. because trusted each other, and there were positive culture elements there as well. Yeah, results and relationships, those are the only measure. And I would even go a step further and say maybe they did have the best team, kind of by definition of the team. They may not have had the quantifiably best athletes, right? On the, you know, but but because yeah. of the culture that he was so intentional in creating, maybe they, they did have the best team. Results, results uh, might prove that out. It's really interesting. Yeah, it is uh, hard though, because you can't measure, it's like, the mental side of it is hard or like the communication side of it because you can't measure how everyone's doing and everyone comes in with different baggage from childhood from all the stuff you know what I mean like we're all carrying different things that come to the forefront in in relationships which first thing being your teammates coaches all that stuff yeah no you're exactly right so um, we have an initiative called team embrace and that was what I was mentioning to Alex earlier. We got to send you one of these t-shirts and, and hopefully get your voice in this as well. So Team Embrace is all about embracing the conversation of mental health in athletics specifically. Because if the culture is done correctly, and you just mentioned all those components, like if the, if the model and mentorship from coaching is a certain way, if the culture is a supportive and trusting one, if all these things are aligned, then this is one of the, this is not like a periphery discussion. This is one of the discussions that we need to be having, right? Um, embracing the conversation of mental health and athletics, that seems like an absolute. And like you just said, even if even if your motives are purely performance-based, you wanna get the most out of your guys and the mm-hmm. more girls and the most out of your team, uh, then let's have this discussion. And obviously yeah. from the human side of things, um, more important because they're gonna live long lives after once their career is stopped and we need to consider that as well. So, yeah, I think they go hand in hand. It is a real struggle across the board, and I think a lot of high-achieving people, unfortunately, get to that point. Not mm-hmm. a lot, maybe not a lot. I don't know. In my experience, like I've been there. Like I, I didn't think my life was worth anything unless I was, you know, I didn't sure. know. I didn't sure. know what else sure. my life was worth was based off of. So right. I feel equally passionate about that and also helping people get to the other side of it because there's so, 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 so much more to life than just your sport or being an athlete or being whatever you think it is that's going to bring you success. It's like there's so much more to live for, but it is important to have people that you can have those conversations with because in in on the other side of it, like when you're at that place, you don't feel comfortable talking to anybody really about it. So if those relationships aren't there, like if you don't have a strong enough connection, like you said, yeah, like this team I think would be the perfect answer to that, the perfect mm-hmm. solution is what I'm saying. Like that's where that isolation starts to happen because you think you're alone mm-hmm. and you think you're just doing it by yourself. But when you realize that there are more people going through it than you, right. that's where that sense of community comes in and communication because it's so important. It really is. Like cause there's, yeah. It's, yeah. it's a difficult topic we don't talk about it enough i don't think in our culture even though it's i mean the suicide rates i think in general are up like a crazy amount Somebody, i think i was listening to a podcast that said it was up like 19 percent that's it yeah. so it's like it's it so it's like how do you help solve the problem and it's like well i think there's a whole another can of worms we can open going that route because sure. just even the way they manage people that 
that struggle with that, it's like they put them in a psych ward and put them on pills. Like right, that's right. not the right way to handle that. You know what I yeah, mean? Like, yeah. but give it an open forum of like a support system that of people that understand and um, or want to understand. That's the, just being open minded of like yeah. maybe you can't relate to why somebody would not value their life beyond that, but like just that open mindedness of help mm-hmm. me understand what you're feeling so I can listen and be a support system for you. No doubt. Yeah, it, it's so you're so right and and. It reminds me of, and, and a comment you made earlier also reminded me of this, but coach, uh, or not coach, but Commissioner Silver. You remember mm-hmm. that whole situation where Kyrie Irving was talking about stuff? Does this sound familiar at all? Mm. He, Silver, uh, he, he was talking about how a lot of, he was listening and talking to and creating an open forum for NBA players and was finding that they were dealing with a lot of stress and and uh, mental concerns. And he was attributing a lot of it to the the newfound invented anxiety of social media presences mm. and he was like because you're you're now you're an, not only are you an athlete like Mike, michael jordan didn't have to go through this yeah uh, what Kyrie irving is having to it's go through yeah um, and and then it was it was dismissed by charles barkley who is actually a i think a funny and fine guy from all accounts uh yeah. but he was like the, the way he dismissed it was so i think typical of how people inaccurately see it he was like well you're staying in nice hotels you make a lot of money why would you what, what do you have to be sad about i mean and and then anyone who who gets it is like what a silly thing to say charles like, if you haven't in like to have some empathy in that like if you haven't gone through it you really don't understand it so i do yeah. have an empathy for people that don't get it because sure. i i talk to people like some people in my family will never understand the yeah. depths where i was mentally and like i therefore i couldn't talk to them about it because they would be like what what i don't get right. it you have it. what do you mean yeah, that's the point of like having the conversations so people can at least open their awareness to it. You don't mm-hmm. have to understand it. You might not ever understand it. And God bless you. Like you were right. born with mental stability that like nobody can shake. But for whatever reason, some other people are not right. Whatever the wiring is, whatever the, you know, the trauma from childhood that came back. Like there's other things that go mm-hmm. into this sentiment. And sports is unfortunately one of the last things to kind of fall into place I think with these conversations Mm -hmm. but the more we have the conversations about it and the more people that come forward with their stories Mm -hmm. and um I think just have open and honest conversations like and I think maybe I play a part in that of like coming forward with like where I was at mentally now I wasn't a professional athlete but like you would say I was in a dream role and all those things and still wasn't happy enough to you know have that quote-unquote story attached to my name but Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's I it's I do have empathy for people that don't get it because Yeah. That's real. Yeah. Makes you sense. If you haven't gone through it, you don't get it, but at least open your mind to the conversation of it. That's right. That's right. Uh <laughs> that's right. And if and if you talk about mental health in certain like if you put it into the category of illness, which I always struggle with, I don't know if it's appropriate to call it mental illness, although you know, but but when I think about that Maybe illness is appropriate because there's a secondary suggestion that maybe there's a cure. There's a you know there, that there are things that you can work on. So mm-hmm. when you say that, like it, it doesn't take a lot of empathy to see someone with a broken leg and say, okay, here's how we can support yes. you now. You know, uh, I I I thankfully have never broken my leg, but I get it immediately. Um, so you're right. If we can just kind of pull the curtain back and engage with the conversation more often and more thoughtfully. Yeah. yeah, get it it's, or not, recognizing that it's important is probably what matters. Yeah, that's a really good point too. But and it's a perfect 
example what you just said of everything we've been talking about, right? Like anything mental, you can't measure, you can't quantify, you can't go inside somebody's brain and be like, oh, they yeah. are telling the truth. This is how yeah. they're feeling. Like this is what their brain is saying. Like, right. God, maybe we should help them. It's like if somebody breaks their leg, you're you perfect example like you're like oh god that person needs help yep but inside your brain you're the only one that can quantify or qualify exactly what you're going through sure and it's confusing too in that sense because because it's so gray area and it's so vague you don't really know maybe how and and young athletes you don't know you don't have the language for it like you don't know like you know you're feeling uncomfortable and sad and maybe like mad or whatever you're feeling but you don't really understand like these things are amounting to potential suicidal thoughts down the road. You know what I mean? Like to have the language and to stop them in the, in their lane now where you, what you guys are doing, I think is so important of like opening their world to like, this is not just it. Like you have so much more going for you than you think you do. And like, how can we support you in that way? But I think it's so important to catch them young in the social media era Mm -hmm. because God, I can't even imagine. I look at what some of these young girls I see going through and I don't know how I would have managed that. Yeah. I mean, it's a blessing and a curse because you can get any piece of information you want. You can mm-hmm. flush yourself with positive information or you can flush yourself with the negative triggering information that's only doing your brain harm. Right. And yeah. I think the more you can pump out the positive and stay on that track, the more you're doing your people a service. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. But there, it, it'll have to, and, and even more sort of ownership then to the coaches who um, can help people navigate that space where... Where yes. You might not listen to a parent in that moment, like, uh, or even, or maybe a history teacher. You might listen to your coach, or your, or your peers, or something like that. So even more, um, probably more goes to them. Uh, so you are, you're going amazing places. So to Thanks. just kind of turn on <laughs> what you were just saying, and like, for, so first of all, we're willing to support in any way, but also. Um, so having gone through that and, and insert and, and understanding more about yourself and in some ways being empowered by the fact that you had to go through it and you created a lot of the, the steps and, and footholds to get you through, what are you on to next? Because I know the life of a freelance journalist is some it's <laughs> like consistency is probably not like what you build a career on. But yeah, exciting fun ideas might be. Yeah. 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 Um, great question. Yeah. It's that. So that's a great question. Um, and I acknowledge that too, because being a freelancer, you still can creep back into those old mindsets and those, I tried to call them like the old version of my brain that I've so far been able to make Michelle brain 2.0 so far. Still, I'm not perfect and still working through some of those bugs but sure yeah that sure. that can be hard especially in an industry where it's like I'm I'm navigating a lot in terms of like I the the self-doubt I think that comes up for me is like am I good enough at this and do I know what I'm talking about enough and I'm like of course you do you played sports in college like you study enough you prepare like but those are the you know the little sure, drum sure. that can come up into your head so what's next for me I don't know if that even was on point with what we were talking about I, it, I, it was yeah it was it okay mm-hmm. um so I would like to, obviously I'm still very passionate about sports, so mm-hmm. I would hope to stay involved in them at whatever capacity that I can. Um, but being a freelancer, you're always kind of, you're always searching for work, you're in and you're out. Mm-hmm. So um, that's one thing 
to know if somebody is listening to this wanting to get into broadcasting. You have the full-time job stability or you have the freelance. I actually love the freelance because it means freedom to me, and that's the number one core quality that's the most important in my work life is to be free. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's a couple of layers to that of like, not only the freedom of like schedule and stuff, but now now I'm diving more into where I'm going of like mm-hmm. the freedom to be myself and my full self mm-hmm. in whatever uniform, sport, whatever I'm covering. Hmm. So hmm. I am actually in the process of launching, not launching yet, but developing a podcast of my Love own, it. which I'm really excited about. Probably need your guys' help there. And then um, I would like to just strive more to be of service and to have more of an impact, of mass impact instead of, I think for a while, like I was chasing the career and all these things that you think will make you a validated human being Mm -hmm. when really, I mean, this all kind of ties into what we were talking about when really um, it's about collaboration and, and how can I be the best version of me and bring a following of people with me of how to, be the best version of themselves because I think that's the ticket to having a fulfilled life is really getting to the nitty gritty of knowing who you are and then exemplifying that and like shining through with that Mm -hmm. and owning your truth. So I think that's a big part of like something I'd like to build out um, on my personal website. So I think I'm going to start going in that direction, entrepreneurial, trying to maybe start some workshops. Um, Mm -hmm. I would like to public speak. I would like to do all of the things. So We'll see. We'll see how summer shakes out. I've got a lot of projects on the side starting out this summer, but also maybe some voiceover work too, because I think that'd be fun. That would be cool. Uh, we th- this is not a podcast for the analysis of the voiceover world, but I could I could see that, and I've actually had friends that have put together like demo tapes. That'd be really cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's actually my end goal in life is to be a Disney Pixar character. So if any um, executives from Disney happen to be listening to this, please um, know that I'm available for character hire. And I have a really cute puppy that could also debut in a movie. There you go. Um, <laughs> I, so, so I, I guarantee all the execs at Pixar are, are listening to this right now. So you're yes. you're welcome. Uh, the, uh, I'm just kidding. But that is all of that stuff. So I, I'm I think that you are kind of set up um, and leaning in that direction at the perfect time, because mm. I think a, a core component of being entrepreneurial. And you know that word has changed in the last five years. Um, you know, with Inst- I, Instagram entrepreneurs being out there, mm-hmm. some of them less legitimate than others. Some of them fully legitimate. But the truth right. of being entrepreneurial is like it's this. It's sort of this unsteady place that you've already been in as a freelancer. It's like when you're. Mm-hmm. We, we talk about this a lot. It's like um, when you're writing your own script, the next page is always blank. Mm-hmm. And there is something for some people that's that's too unsettling, but for for people who who have confidence in them in themselves that they can troubleshoot, um, think holistically, find the footholds, create them if need be, and they feel like they have a a mission or a, or a message to share. I think it's it can it has the potential to be one of the most satisfying things one could possibly do with their life. So, yeah. I, we'd certainly be happy to support you on that. We are. Um, the podcast idea is great. I think you should do it. You just you have two subscribers right here, so there you go. That was fast. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. So um, no, I think I think it's it's meaningful work, definitely. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, and I, I credit the people that come before me. I think one person that's really really inspired me lately is Kelly Tennant. She used to be a sports broadcaster. I'm sure you guys have Kelly have Tennant. heard of her. She was on the um, on the West Coast, but she's somebody that she 
and I'm not saying I'm walking away from sports by any means, but yeah. she quit sports broadcasting and just started doing her own thing. And, and her message is so powerful. And she's mm-hmm. somebody that really inspires me of like, the world is bigger than what your little tiny world in your mind thinks yeah. it is. So until you see other people that are doing something more and have a more powerful message, you're like, oh, okay, I can maybe do that too yeah. in in your own unique way. So right. I hope to I hope to have a po- more positive impact in whatever way that that my future work allows. So we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. I like that. So we'll, and we'll put a little dot 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 at the end of that because yeah, exactly. I hope this is I ever mean, evolving. You have. There's no other way. There's yeah, no other way, that's, but ever evolving. And we're all, if you, if, I am not a safe, I'm not a safety net kind of person. Like if you're not evolving every day and getting better, then what are you doing? You're staying in your comfort zone and you're not growing. I'm with you. I'm with you. Sound bite right there. Look at that. That is a, <laughs> that is a meme waiting to happen. Um, our guy, Alex is uh, ready to, am I right to say ready? Mm. Oh yeah. He's got some quick hitter questions for you. Oh yay. Do you feel comfortable for this? Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. This is these are the equivalent of full speed uh, serves from Penn State hitters. Am I right? Am I using these right? That you have to react too fast. That's the idea. Did I do oh, a good oh, volleyball? Oh, 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 you said, yeah. I was like, wait, 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 wait. What Penn State? They're, they're Penn State trivia questions. It's all Penn State trivia. That's exactly <laughs> so right. Funny. It's called the lightning round. He didn't. He didn't drop the name, but that's our. That's okay. Uh, I'll, I'll plug that here. The lightning round. What was your first job? Like real job? Uh, After college? No. I want to know your first job. Very first job. Gosh. I was, I mean, babysitting, technically. Babysitter. What is the most recent movie you have seen that you enjoyed and the current book you're reading or most recent one that you finished that you also enjoyed? Oh, ooh, good questions. Um, Movie, movie, movie. Can I give you my favorite movie? Of course. Okay. Step Brothers. Stupid humor. <laughs> Great. Look. Great. Um, and the other question was the last book I read or a book I'm currently reading. I most recently read two books that I really loved. Um, the Universe Has Your Back by Gabby Bernstein. Love it. And I'm like more on the spiritual side of things. So for people that aren't as woo-woo, maybe wouldn't like that one as much. But I think it has good principles no matter what. Um, and Girl, Wash Your Face, both like self-help kind of books to like stop being so hard on yourself and embrace who you are. I also am in the midst of reading Brene Brown, The Gift of Imperfections. Love her. Oh my gosh, her psychology or her, her talks on vulnerability and shame are so amazing. And then the other book that I'm, I'm like a, I'm ADD right now. I'm reading so many good things. The other book I'm reading is You're a Badass. And I like it. It's really good so far. Okay. Who's that, that was guy? like not a quick answer at all. <laughs> it's okay. No, it's totally fine. Don't worry. Uh, usually I'm the one that derails the lightning portion of the lightning round. So I'm glad that I can blame it on someone else this time. Um, it's not a lightning answer. <laughs> I talk for a living, okay? <laughs> <laughs> this is exactly what we wanted. What does a successful day look like? Ooh, love that question. A successful day for me looks like one that has balance so it's one that i have a full amount of sleep first and foremost most importantly eight hours and one that enables me to prioritize at least one thing on my self-care list whether that's taking a bath taking a walk whatever i need to do meditate whatever i need to do to get myself into a good rhythm um playing with my puppy 
who has Maverick. now joined this interview. Maverick is in frame, everybody. Maverick is in for the interview. And then um, I would say on the work, I, I like, I actually just made a checklist the other day, like one thing to play, one thing to work, one thing to rejuvenate. So I did the rejuvenate one, the self-care, and then work something that makes me feel like I've been productive that day, like work-wise, whether it's shooting off a couple emails or if I have a show that day, doing all my prep work for that. And then one thing that I can do that would be fun for the day, like one piece of play. And I think those three things have become a good foundation for me to have a good day. What does the play look like? I think it can mean anything. What what you, what you uh, Like something that's like a different activity that you wouldn't have done otherwise. And a lot of that, a lot of my play comes from the unexpected, but it can be really simple things too, like going for a walk on the lake I think is fun I think going to a baseball game is really fun but obviously you can't do that every day so even like dancing in my apartment last night I was dancing in my apartment by myself with my dog and it was <laughs> really fun. <laughs> and it was real like he thought I was he was like looking at me he's like what is wrong with her um so yeah that or like going to a comedy show or doing a yoga class that you've never done before. I did Kundalini the other day with my friend Katie, another woo-woo topic, but it was so fun. It was like very different. And I was breathing like a dog in half of the class and I was like, what am I doing? Who is the man in the white hat up there? But it was real fun. <laughs> I'm somebody from out of town. This is hypothetical. I'm someone okay. from out of town and you are designing the perfect Chicago sports experience for me. What are we oh. doing? Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, we're going to plan it while all the teams are still in season. Does that ever happen? No, the Bears are probably done at that point. Maybe the Bears are in the playoffs, though. So, optimistic could, assumptions. I'm going to go ahead we're and gonna, say. We're going to pick a weekend where we can do all four. No, five. Shoot. Yeah, there's five, right? Yeah, five. We're going to pick a weekend where we could do all five. So, we'll go to. A fr well, because the Bears usually play on Sunday, right? Okay. So, we'll go to a Friday night hockey game. We'll go support the Blackhawks, go Hawks. And then we'll go to an early afternoon baseball game on Saturday. And then we'll go to, we won't do a doubleheader for baseball. Maybe we'll do, here's, we're going to start with the Cubs game on Friday, actually. Start with the Cubs game. And then we're going to go to the Blackhawks game Friday night. And then Saturday, we're going to do the White Sox, support your boy, Charlie. And that night, Saturday night, we'll go support the Bulls because Bulls and Blackhawks can't play on the same day, obviously. Mm -hmm. And then Sunday, we'll cap off the weekend with a Bears game, and then we'll celebrate with some um, Illuminati's deep dish pizza, even though I can't have gluten or dairy anymore. I mean, I can, but it just makes me feel like crap, so we won't do that. Fair. Uh, I know this was a hypothetical, but I accept. I look forward to whenever we get this set up. Uh, oh, oh, and to add to that, we'll fly them out on a private playing because they have that now the wheels up they fly people private to come to like sporting events so you are undoubtedly a leader in this field in many different ways and i want to know what advice you would give to a future leader who hopes to embark on a similar journey oh wow i love that question um i would say the work starts from within like if you number Point number one being like you can't fill other people's cups up until you fill your cup up first. So I like the analogy they use with like the airplane thing of like put your air mask on before you assist others, whatever. So I would say find a way to whatever that means for you, 
and everybody's different, but like find a way to get the best possible relationship built within yourself, to get comfortable with yourself, your identity, who you are, what makes you you, without any external factors attached to you, any of the masks that we try to put on ourselves to make ourselves feel fine or outside of all of those things, that's step number one. Then step number two, take that and share that with the world because that's what we need more of is people that are fully aligned within who they are. Their self-worth comes from a solid fundamental place um, that's here to help others and impact others and inspire others from a place that is in full alignment and can create change in the world because that's how it starts. I mean, they, they all say, you know, it starts with you and I, I don't want that to be like a selfish thing of like, just take care of you and then see ya. It's like, that's where the change starts within you. So then you can then spark change within other people and then create a big wave. I know that's a love that advice. And I mean, it's an important idea. You got to take care of yourself first, not selfishly, but so you can be good for other people. Mm -hmm. And so that you know who you are, you know, because that's how that's where authenticity comes from, right? When you can stand in your truth and be exactly who you are, who you were innately born to be, that's when people gravitate towards you. And I think that's like why I've made it up the ladder so quickly in my career, maybe as what, or at least what I've been told is like, I'm, I'm pretty comfortable with who I am. I've been that way like for a lot of my life. The mental health stuff has certainly played a part of it, but it's like I try to at least stay true to who I am despite my struggles, and that's where people will gravitate to the authenticity in that way. Yeah. Well, the storm has passed. The lightning round is over. You did a fantastic <laughs> job. I, I really do hope this is like – first conversation of many like like alex said your like your candor is like really appreciated and i hope people i think people have uh i think we can learn a lot from each other just in general not just the three of us we can learn a lot from each other if mm -hmm. we are open up be our authentic selves and just be willing to engage in the conversation more often so absolutely uh, this is refreshing all right well we're definitely going to talk soon okay Okay, perfect. Sounds good. Thank you guys so much. I appreciate it. This week's episode is brought to you by Remind Recover. Remind Recover is a supplement that helps athletes support brain health. Similar to how you drink a protein shake to help your muscles recover after a workout, Remind Recover has been scientifically formulated to give you the nutritional building blocks to help support healthy brain function. I am a huge fan of Remind Recover. It is as close to the science as any supplement I've seen, and feel free to check out their website for more. It's remindrecover.com. And when you go there, if you want to place an order, and I recommend it, use the code GOODATHLETE for a discount on checkout.